Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How many of you were in the prayer meeting on, on Friday, the travel and betting? How many of you were in the prayer meeting? Let me see your hands. Okay. Did you have a good time? Amen. Those that have developed live streaming uh, culture, try as much as you can to be in the gathering of the believers. That's very important. The Lord wants us to gather. <laughs> Amen. You know, I was... If you study the scriptures in the book of Acts, they were very... They were under intense persecution by the Roman government, especially the government of Nero. He persecuted Christians so much. But in the midst of that they still gathered. They still came together. Praise God. So we really have to uh, not allow uh, the, the system and what's going on with the whole virus thing to prevent the gathering of the believers. That's very, very important. Let's, let's get into the Word and um, pray and see where the Lord will lead us this morning. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We, we are in our school of wisdom. And in the school of wisdom, I try as much as I can by the leading of the Holy Spirit to share very applicable truths of God's word that people can put, put, put a work in their lives and see transformation. You must understand that the Word of God is a complete uh, literary book. It's a book of life, but at the same time, there are different writings in the, in, in the Bible. You've got narrative writings, you've got um, you know, history there, you've got the epistles, and then you've got the the book of Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes, these are like wisdom books, okay? They're like parables. Uh, not parables in that sense, but in our own sense, when, when a parable is given, in that parable is a lot of truths, right? If an old man tells you, I don't have a lot of parables in my head, because I didn't, I didn't hear a lot. But if an old man tells you certain parables, you know that within that parable is what? Is a body of truths. Now, when he tells you the parable, the parable is very, might be short. But you have to look into the body of truth to be able to understand that. And that's something with the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, rather. Proverb, not parable. Proverb. If they tell you a proverb, within the proverb is locked up a body of truth. So when we read the book of Proverbs, that's how we, 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 we see it. We see the, the, the wisdom of God coming forth, and then we have to unlock the body of truth contained therein. So this morning and midweek, I'm going to talk on what I call thought patterns. The pattern there is plural. Thought patterns for a successful life. Thought patterns for a successful life. So I, I'm going to finish up on Wednesday, and I might continue depending on how the Holy Ghost leads me, but... I want to pick something here, and, and I really need you to pay attention this morning. Thought patterns for a successful life. Now, I want us to be on the same page. Whenever I use the word success, in this local church, or anywhere I'm teaching, success is defined by one thing. What's that? Following God's plan for your life and accomplishing it. That's success. Alright? So when I talk about thought pattern for a successful life, I'm talking about the thought pattern you need to get to be able to live out and fulfill the plan of God for your life. 
That includes working in, in, in financial prosperity, working in health, having a good family relationship, and all of that. All of that contributes to our God-given success. Life is essentially built on our thought pattern. Your life is essentially built on your thought pattern. How you think is how your life is built. By your thoughts, you build your life. Essentially. Life is built by your thought pattern. As you see it here this morning, you, you came rejoicing, you came happy to serve God. I can show you a picture that influences your thoughts and you will become ungrateful. Right? Yeah, you become ungrateful to change your attitude, change your behavior, to change what you, how you talk. That's why for the child of God, Mind renewal is essential to experiencing the will of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to, to, to 3, the Bible says, Be transformed by what? You are at home or you came to church. Be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now pay attention to this. Right? Pay attention to this. The word transformed there, there are two words used there in verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. There are two words used there that you need to pay very close attention to. That's not where we're going, but I just want to lay the foundation there. He uses the word conformed. He uses the word transformed. And then he talks about renewal of the mind. Don't be conformed. Don't fit into the shape of the world, but be transformed. That word transformed in the Greek is metamorphosis. That's where we get the word metamorphosis from. And if you understand basic biology, metamorphosis is the process of transformation, especially if you use the butterfly, from that little thing to a beautiful butterfly. That's the process of metamorphosis. That's the process of transformation. It changes from one state, which is something you don't want to take a look at, to a stage that becomes very beautiful. And God is saying that if you, we want to cause our life, if we want to make that movement, if we want to make that transformation from poverty to prosperity, from sickness to health, from insignificance to significance, from dishonor to honor, that the process of making that to happen is internal. Is internal. And it is internal because it's a mind renewal, which means that the seat of transformation, apart from the born-again Spirit of God, is the mind. The mind. That if you can change the way a man Thinks If you can alter the thought pattern of a man, it can bring transformation to him. Are you following this? Are, are you following this? And the mind is powerful. You know, the group of people, the, 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 they are not here, but they are somewhere out there in the world. The Malians who don't wear belt. Alright? I mean... It's, you, know, it, you know, it's just basic that if a man wears a trouser, he should wear belt. You know, you don't even need to go to school to know that. And then somebody comes up with a concept and says, well, we belong to this group. We don't wear belt. Our trouser rests midway between our ankle and our waist. And even educated people are transformed by the renewing of their mind thinking in that way. What that means is that the way you are today is 100% a reflection of your thought pattern. Are you following what I'm saying? Coburn, are you here? Alright. So normally, I mean, you buy a trouser, you buy a jean, you want everywhere to be covered, and then someone gets up and says, hey, come on. 
The covering is too much and tears here and tears here and tears here and tears there and tears everywhere. I say, this is it. And this one goes for 150,000. And you say, wow. And you ditch your normal trouser and you wear that and you wear it boldly and confidently. It's a product of the mind. It's a product of the mind. So, ultimately, you are being influenced, whether you like it or not, your hairstyle, your cloth pattern, your, um, your goals in life, everything about you, it's influenced by one thing or the other, consciously or what? Subconsciously. Are you still here? Are, are you following this? Yeah. I don't have anything against wearing anything. I'm just giving you an example. If you even choose not to wear clothes, we can still use you as an example. So you still fit in. But that's the way it is. So the, the transformation of a man is directly proportional to the impute he receives in his mind, his thought pattern. So if a man thinks of himself as a failure, his life will be transformed in that image. Yeah, And if a man thinks of himself in a, in a successful way, his life will be transformed into that image. Which ultimately means that your life is going to take the shape of your thoughts. Help me tell your neighbor, your life is going to take the shape of your thoughts. Do you agree? That's true. So that means your life now is the shape of your thoughts proud to this time. So if you want to change your life, where's the first place you change? Your thoughts. Your mind. Alright. Your thought pattern would form your behavioral patterns or actions and this will ultimately determine your life. So I'll give you three thought patterns. So this is your right hand side, this is my left hand side. So I'm going to give you thought patterns and behavioral outcomes. So I'm going to give you three thought patterns. So number one, number one thought pattern. Have you heard people say, what will be, will be? Have you heard that phrase? Huh? Okay. <laughs> you know that's not, that's not true. You know it's a wrong thought pattern. When somebody says what will be, will be, they would have a laid back approach to life. Just thinking that, listen, whatever is going to happen, is going to happen. But it's not right because in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22, the Bible tells us that as long as the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and winter will not what? Cease. Which tells us that the earth, the things don't just be in life. There is something called cause and effect. There is seed and harvest. So if I have a thought pattern and say, what will be, will be. What ultimately will happen is I'll be laid back. Ah, don't worry, one day is my day. When my tongue comes, everything will turn. Throw those phrases away. Are you following this? Come on, are you here? Second thought pattern. God is in control of everything. Is that true? <laughs> That's not true. God is not in control of everything. You have control of some things that He has delegated to you. I'll show you from scriptures. Psalm 115. Let me show you from scripture. Psalm 115 and verse 16. Psalm 115 and verse 16. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. He's given you dominion on the earth. Because when people have this thought pattern, they will not be able to reject what the devil brings. When they are sick, they'll say, well, maybe God is teaching me a lesson through this sickness. God has me. God has the Holy Spirit. God has the Bible. He doesn't use sickness to teach anybody lessons. God has your pastor. God has the Holy Ghost. He's got the Word. 
He doesn't need sickness. He doesn't need the devil's tools. So when somebody says, God is in control of everything, they would accept whatever comes their way without resisting when the devil is after their life. Then they're going to live their life. They're going to say the wrong words. And when wrong things happen in their life, say, it's God. No, God is giving you the power to change your life through your words. So it's not like God is in control of everything. God has sovereign rule. God is in charge. But when it comes about control, you have a role to play. That's why you accept the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't force it on you. That's why people have to hear the gospel. And then they have to respond to the gospel. Are you still here? Genesis 1.26, God gave man dominion on the earth. And says, have dominion. And when Satan came to tempt man about eating the truth, did, did God come down and say, hey, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. No. Give him control. Eat what you want to eat. That's why you see that when a believer is sinning, the Holy Spirit will speak to you on the inside. But if you insist, he let you go. You, you just be there. The Holy Spirit, you have to yield to the Holy Spirit. It's demons that control people. Even if you want to speak in tongues, you have to open your mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's demons that possess and control. The Holy Spirit fills you based on your degree of yieldedness. Uh, the, next, the next thought is life is about my hustle and self-effort. Have you, have, you, have you heard that thought pattern? Is that true? It's not true. Deuteronomy 8.18 tells us, I'm the Lord thy God who gives you power to get wealth. Remember, so you will not say, you will not say, huh? my hands have given me this. People who have this thought pattern are very, they, they don't take spiritual things seriously. When people have this thought pattern, the only thing they'll say is, that person is, he doesn't serve God, but he has money. Because they always judge life by money. Have you heard people have that argument? Even people say that, I don't give my tithes, but I'm still, I still have money. <laughs> huh? I don't go to church, but am I not doing well? So they always, they always look at church... Based on, if I go, this will happen. They don't see it as a relationship with God. It's almost like a transaction. Do you understand? I do this, God will do this. I do this, God will do this. But when I did not do this, God, I still did this. So if I did not do this and God did this, it means, I mean, it's just those logical lifestyle. Eh? Just calculate, everything is calculated in their life. The Bible says, the blessing of the Lord make it rich and he added no sorrow. And if you ask those people, how come your breath is still be sustained? They won't, they won't tell you how, what they are doing for the sustenance of their breath. Everything in life is not measured in naira and kobo or in pounds of sterling. Huh? Pounds sterling or dollars. So when you have thought patterns like these, it affects your approach to life. You would see serving God as a waste of time. It's not, we don't need to serve Him that well. Your service to God will become very transactional. Are you following this now? And you've got to be careful of this. You've got to be careful of this. There's a place of working hard. There's a place of knowing that, listen, we're what we are by the grace of God and the mercy of God and the favor of God. Are you still here? Right. So, God asked us to learn from the animals. So, I'm actually teaching this message from Proverbs chapter 6. This, this is just my introduction. God asks us to learn from the animals, right? But God did not say you should learn from every animal because some animals are foolish. You know, people say that I can learn from everything in life, not necessarily. You know, one time someone told me, say, I can even learn from a fool. I said, why? There are many wise people. Why give your time to learning from a fool? There are, there, there are wise people. Why not learn from one? And when I was studying this, I never thought of it. But I realized that not every animal was given to us as an example. Because some animals, the scripture says wisdom was taken away from them. Let me show you. Go to Job chapter 39. Job chapter 39. So we're going to learn from some animals. We're going to go to the wisdom school. Job chapter 39. If you quickly read from verse 16, Job 39 and verse 16, look at what it says. 
Uh, can we read from verse... Let's read from verse 13. It was actually talking about the ostrich and the peacock. The ostrich... The ostrich's wings flap joyously with the pinion and plumage of love. For she abandons her eggs to the earth and warms them in the dust. And she forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may trample upon them. She just puts her eggs there carelessly. She forgets that somebody might trample on the egg. Talking about the ostrich. Then he goes on to say, verse 16, She treats her young cruelly as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, she is unconcerned. Can you imagine that? He says, even though the labor of the ostrich, you know, these are her children. She treat them cruelly. He says, she, even though her labor is in vain, she is unconcerned. And there are people like that, that the very thing they have produced, they will not guard it jealously. They won't even guard their labor. You have, you have paid attention to your spiritual life and you have grown spiritually to this extent. What happens? You become callous and work with people who have no value for spiritual things. You know, I posted something yesterday for those of you who follow me on social media. I said, listen, this is the year where we're not allowing anybody to slow us our pace down because our collaboration must be for advancement and not retrogression. We cannot live 10 years forward and 15 years backwards every year. There has to be progress. At some stage in your life, you must have to agree that some people have to be left behind. Glory to God. Now look at this. It says, Because, verse 17, God has made her forget wisdom and has not given her a share of understanding. He said this ostrich. God did not share understanding to the ostrich. When they were sharing understanding, the ostrich showed up and God said, we don't have for you. Some translations say, God had deprived her of wisdom. So, when you see the ostrich, you don't learn from the ostrich. You are not directed to learn. Because you don't have wisdom. But there were other animals that the Lord said we should learn from. So, we're going to learn from the ants. Proverbs chapter 6. Three verses. And we're going to learn ten lessons from the ants. We'll do five today and five on Wednesday. Actually, I have eleven lessons. The eleventh one is for those who come for extra class. <laughs> Are you there? Alright, so come with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Are you learning something this morning? I didn't hear you. Are you learning something this morning? Alright. Proverbs chapter 6. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 6. Go to the ants. It's an instruction. Oh, sluggard. We don't use the word sluggard a lot more today. It's, It's an old King James British English. But the word sluggard means lazy. Go listen to my messages on, uh, was it 40 symptoms of laziness I taught on? Yeah, I think I taught us something on laziness. Sometimes we don't think we're lazy, but if you go through that message, you discover that sometimes there are symptoms of laziness. Hmm? (laughs) Observe her ways and be wise. says, go to the ants. Learn the ways of the ants and be wise. Can you imagine God talking to human beings that he created? And he says, go to the ants. Now, when you go to the ants, observe. How many of you have observed the ants before? You are quick to kill them. Our sisters, you are quick to kill them. (laughs) He didn't say go to the ants and kill them. He said go and do what? Observe. Kill them if you want to, but but most times we are quick to kill. We're not we're not ready to observe. But it says, "Go to the ants, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise." Then it tells us a couple of things about her ways. The first thing it says, "Which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer 
and gathers her provision in the harvest. Those are the two verses we're going to get 11 points from. Just those two verses. The first thing he says about the ants, verse 7, he says, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares a food in the summer and gathers a provision in the harvest. The first thing about the ant is internal motivation. Internal motivation, inside. They require no officer. They require no captain. They require no chief. The ant knows what to do and motivates itself to accomplish that task. You know, many people without supervision will never be at their best. What can we learn from the ants? That if you want to be a successful person, you don't need guidance. Are you here? You don't need somebody to say, read your Bible, oh, try and read. You don't need somebody to say, oh, make sure you get up at night to read. There are many people that their lives will go farther if they had someone supervising them. But listen, the way of success is that from the inside, you derive a motivation. Joseph did not sleep with Potiphar's wife. His cell leader was not there. That's, that's how success is. Success means that your values are there. You don't need supervision to do the right thing. Why is it that our nation is like this? Hmm? Because immediately you discover the police are not looking. You turn the line. Even when you are on the queue with someone and the person just makes call and turns back and you have, you have three spaces. I'm smart. If you put people in an examination hall, including Christians, huh? and there are no invigilators, you'll be surprised. You know, it's a thing of shame for a believer to pass exams through Expo. Do, do you have do you have a is Expo Pigeon English or correct English? Alright. Huh? That's why today when I talk to young people, I ask them, did you write this thing yourself? 70% will tell you no. Some will tell you, I wrote maths myself, but English I collected more help. Then I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. They would People require supervision to do the right things. At, at our age, you still need somebody to remind you that you need to wake up early to pray. What a shame. To read. You see how we are encouraging adults, please buy a book and read. Say, every time I want to read, I feel sleepy. How old are you? 46. You still require supervision. To finish a curse. To keep to your goals. Right? We are 10 days into the new year now. How many of you realize that after the first, second day, your old year, 2020, has started replaying itself? Huh? Got up the first day, I'm going to pray for one hour. Got up the first day, Monday, Kobarata, one hour, 10 minutes, say 2022, we are with you. By Thursday, say, don't worry, I will just take it to Monday. I will just start afresh. It has started. Hmm? Requires supervision. The ant requires no supervision. If you want to be successful, you must have that thought pattern. This is what I'm supposed to do. I will not require any supervision for the rest of my life to get the right things done. Praise God. Are you hearing this? Look at all the goals you've outlined. Look at all the things you know you need to do. You don't need a supervision. Learn it from the ants. You don't need a stick. To do the right thing. While it is very good to have an accountability partner in life, the truth of the matter is this. If you really set your seal, you'll be accountable to your own self. 
Coven, are you following this? Internal, are you motivated? One of my, one of my, I don't want to use the word regret, but one of the things I think in life that wasted my time a lot is trying to help people who actually did not need help. No, who needed help, but probably don't want help. You look at someone and you see the potentials in them and you say, read this book, it'll help you. It becomes a struggle. They start dodging. You know, there are some people like that. You want their lives to be better, then they run away from you. And I realized that you can, you can take someone who claims is thirsty to the stream, but you cannot force them to drink water. There must be that personal responsibility of taking the water inside. And nowadays when I'm mentoring people and helping people, if I don't see a level of hunger in your life, I'll just leave you where you are. Because you can't force people. You can always be there to make people do the right things. It's your life. So there should be the sense of internal motivation. Number two. So number one, the ants are internally motivated. Inside. Motivation comes from the inside. So without a leader, without a supervisor, they still get things done. Live your life that way. That without massive supervision, you still get things done. The next one. She gathers her supplies or her bread when needed. The aunt prepares her food. She is not looking to someone else to provide for her. It is up to her and she knows. Develop a sense of personal responsibility where provision is concerned. If you want to be successful in this life, Develop a sense of personal responsibility. Let anything that anybody wants to give to you be an extra bonus. Don't live your life hinged on someone's promise. Praise God. Let me explain this and I want you to understand this very carefully. There's nothing wrong with it. But in Africa... We have a very communal life. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with it. What that means in Africa is that um, our families are so closely knitted that we, uh, we actually can live off each other. So what that means practically is that you can have somebody who for their whole life really does nothing, but then the family provides support. Okay. When you go to the Western nation, they don't think that way. By a thing, they're already thinking of you leaving the house. Your parents can literally send you out of the house hmm? to go get your own place. Like I said, there are merits and demerits. But I want to look at the thinking pattern. So when the average Western young man is 15, he's already calculating 15, 16, 17, 18. By three years, I need to leave my father's house. I need to get a place. So it sets a thinking pattern. I need to get a job. So you see, they can go flip burgers, go work in McDonald's, go work at the floor stations, because they need to pay the bills. They need to go up. And here, if at 22 you want to leave your father's house, they're asking you, is, are they driving you? That's the purpose. Is anybody driving you? Say no. And while it is good, right? While it is good, it makes us to develop a very dependent lifestyle on somebody else's wealth. That's why there are still people today who are angry that their uncle did not help them. Angry that their brothers did not help them. So we, we can almost live our life leaning on someone and we don't know how to take help and stop. If you want to be successful in this life, you must cut away from it. Hmm? You must. In fact, most of the young people that I've mentored, most of the young people that I really mentor, a lot of people say I mentor, but most of the young people that I really mentor, the first thing I tell them is go and have your own place. That's the first thing. Say, how old are you? You're just living with your parents. No, go get your place. It will change the way you see life. Meat will become valuable. It will change the way you manage your finances. Because sometimes when you don't pay the bills, you don't even understand what goes on there. 
Praise God. Um, you've got to develop that thought pattern. So that when people promise you, you don't just put your life on hold waiting for someone's promise. Somebody say, I will see what I can do. Then you now go and rest. Your life, the whole of your life, eh, is on, I will see what I can do. Is, is first year, second year, third year. Say, why? You say, my uncle say, we see what he can do. Praise God. When, when we just got married, my, my wife needed to do a postgraduate studies in education. It was 150000 We didn't have that money. It was big money for us. Big money. But I told her to enroll. Then I had a, 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 a friend, a senior friend in, in, in Bahamas. We're talking. And I said, oh, my wife. I said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Ah, we're going to pay it. <laughs> so I told my wife. I said, but don't, don't, don't. Uh, when you promise me anything, it doesn't matter who you are. I thank God and I forget. And I keep my eyes on God. So I told her, don't worry. If he brings the money, fine. But if he doesn't bring the money, we'll sort it out. Do you know how I paid for that cost? I was doing some NGO work then with NDI. We will go to Abuja. So they were paying for flights. So I would fly down and they will give us money for the return ticket. I will use road. I'll give her the chain, the, 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 the money on top. We went for that thing like six, seven times. That was how we paid for that cost. I mean, they'll give us, okay, so they'll give us a flight ticket to and fro from Mori. There was maybe like 30,000 or thereabouts to Abuja. Then they'll give us money to feed every day. People will be buying food from the hotel. I will go outside, look for all these malam that are selling in Domain and those that will eat that for like a week, gather all my money. That's how we paid for the fees. Till today, I'm still waiting for the man. We have two children now. It's 14 years. It's, it's 14 years. I'm still waiting for, don't worry, we'll pay it. Good, nothing, good intention. Maybe he really wanted to, he did not have. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not to say he's a bad person. No, he really wanted to help. But he couldn't. Imagine if 14 years after. That's why some of us are stuck. Prepare her food. Personal responsibility. Someone promised you a job. Thank God for that person. What can you do today? Can you dig gutters today? Can you sow something today? Never live on the promises of men. They can fail. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can't tell you how many people have promised us partnership in ministry and we're still waiting. Imagine if we're waiting for them to do what God has asked us to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? So, develop a sense of personal responsibility. Everybody say, I'll develop a sense of personal responsibility. Even if you have a father, think like you don't have. It'll help you. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> That's I've been my approach in ministry. I don't wait for people to give me platforms. I create platforms of what I want to do and I go there. You know, there are some people who hear me preach and they see me do stuff and then they will inbox my dad and ask my dad if he's my brother. He will not tell them, oh no, that's my son. You can't say, oh, your father is the general overseer. Then you are waiting for platform, waiting for platform, waiting for platform. By the time the platform comes, you don't have capacity to preach anything. You can't put your life on hold. Are you following this now? So the ants have a sense of personal responsibility. They prepare their food. Number three, they understand times and seasons. Look at that verse again. They prepare her food in summer and gathers her provision in harvest. Understand times and seasons. I don't know how best I can share this example with you. Life is time. Life is seasons. They understand this is summer. Let's get our food ready so that when winter comes, we will not be able to go outside. We have food. I have this. I know God can use your life at any time. 
he wants to use it. He can use that 90. I, I don't have a problem with that. But let me just give you a basic calculation of life that can help you. Your 18 to 25 years, your 0 to 25 years, are what you call your learning years. Those years you are learning. Probably you are in school, you are learning a trade. It's established that 0 to 25, you should almost be done with your education, all things being equal. Your 25 to your 50 years are what you call your earning years. So are the years you're earning, you're working, you're getting something. Most times your earning will be proportional to your learning years. If you learned well, you would earn well. Now it doesn't just mean, it doesn't just mean going to school. Okay? We're talking about both formal and non-formal education. And then your 50 years and above are your legacy years. You should be giving back to society. What stage are you now? That's why you can't compare your life to others because you might be at a different season. Understand seasons. Let's talk about that first. Understand seasons. Understand timing. Understand what season you are in. Don't be in your single season and be living a married life. You should be single. And I tell people this all the time. I tell my young girls all the time. If you are not in a committed relationship, stop letting one man, one young boy hang around you. He's blocking other people's doors. If you are single, interact with everybody. You can't have somebody with you all the time. We all think you are in a relationship. Say both of you are friends. And everybody that wanted to marry you have left you and married somebody else. By the time that person now married, they will not discover, ah, both of you are not in a relationship. You say, no, we're just friends. So we just, we just, we're just friends. Ah. So if there's one person constantly around you, tell them once in a while, give me space, you know, free, I mean, today let me be alone so that people will know that uh, we're not together. I mean, be very clear about it. You can't have somebody around you. I mean, there are people like that in school and then we just realized they were not in a relationship. So what were both of you doing? He said, we're just friends. Are friends like that? Don't let anybody stop your way of getting married by hanging around you constantly. Say Amen. Looking like you don't understand what I'm saying. Eh? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you want to marry someone, open your mouth and speak. If you can speak in tongues, you can say what is in your heart. You can't hang around somebody all the time and say, I, I think it's in my mind, it's in my mind, it's in my mind. We, they don't marry by mind, they marry by speech. I, I don't know why people like to waste time. Relationship, six years. Say we're studying each other. How long does it take to, to become a medical doctor? Eight years. The six years you have used in studying one person, if you add two more years, you'll be a doctor. You can study the whole of the human race. What season are you in? If you're in your season of marriage, then get, be serious with your relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't let other people use their season to drag your own season down. If you're in a season of preparation, a season of your studies, well, go ahead and study. Every season you are in, make the best of that season because that season is not going to come back again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you still here? Make the best of that season. Seasons are not going to come back again. You know, a few days ago we looked at the picture of our kids and when they were small, when we just came to the island, very small. And we looked at them today. That season is gone. Praise God. <laughs> that season is gone. Give them the next four years. No, in fact, I was saying to Samaria, I said, right now, we just start preparing. Start making, I mean, sometimes I just joke with that. I say, see, a day is going to come. There's only two of us in this house. Just get your mind there. So that's why you cannot just be stuck on your children. Women. Men. Ah, my child. Oh, this is my child. Oh, this is my child. The child will go. And if you have stuck to live with your husband, will not be difficult because you don't know how to relate to your husband anymore. Your whole life was built around the children. And that's why I discovered that sometimes when children leave the house, they now bring more children. Say, let my uncle, and for me, he no, no. Eh? Say, let my uncle's child come and stay. Because the, the feeling of getting up and making path by nature, after 30 years, they just get up. You just see them doing like this. They say, what are you doing? They say, oh, I thought the child was here. You know, there's a nature to make part. You just say, go and bring the child. So, do you understand that? So, you must, you must know that this season requires this. Sometimes, 
the season requires that you pause what you are doing and focus on the children. And then when the children leave, you pick up again. Do you understand? This is not an advice. It is simply saying, listen, whatever season you are in, it takes us to our next point. They know what every season requires. Number four, understanding what to do in every season. Understanding what to do in every what? Season. This season, what does it require of you? Oh, I just have my children. I need to spend more time. You might decide not to take certain jobs because they will not allow you to spend time with your children. Are you following what I'm saying? You might decide, hey, it's my season of going to school. You acquire a degree, first degree. Immediately go for your master's. You know, it's my season of studying. It's my season of preparation. Sometimes it can be your seasons of savings. Everybody's buying, but you're saving. It can be your season of investment. You understand. He said they prepare her food in the summer. Do you understand what to do in the season of life that you are in now? Praise God. Come on, are you still here? What season are you in? There are seasons that will require extreme humility so you can cross over those seasons. You grew up from a home that's not so well to do. The finances are not there. You might have to have seasons where you go and take certain jobs. Minor jobs. So that you can go to the next phase of your life. So that you can successfully navigate that season. There are seasons where you take in knowledge, where you read. If you're young today, you don't have so much responsibility. Get books. Read, 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 read. Feed your mind. Because the time will come. I'll tell you the truth. Most people can bear witness with me. How many of us really have time to read as much as we wanted to read? Time is not there. Because you go to job, right? From nine, you come by five. You're tired. Hmm? There's some of you that are, are still single. So when you come by five, you now think of what to eat. You now light gas, discover that gas is finished. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then you now, before you know, 10 o'clock, you are tired. If you have children, you come back, you attend to your children. Maybe you will have your own business you are building by the side. You come back from your regular work. So you realize that now that you have time to read, you might as well soak in as much as you need. Are you following this? A successful person builds that thought pattern. What season am I in? And what should I do? This season. Is this time to prepare my food? Is it time to gather in the harvest? The Bible says of the children of Israel, they understood the times and the season and knew what to do, and their brethren were under their command. In John chapter 9, verse 4 to 5, Jesus says, I must do the works of him that set me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can walk. Jesus said that, that the time is coming, but I'll not be able to work. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Day requires that I work because the night is coming. And that ninth season, nobody can walk. Hmm? Ninth season, nobody can walk. If you are in school, pay attention. School time is not boyfriend time. It's misplacement of seasons. Hmm? Some things can wait. Come and tell your neighbor some things can wait. It's not iPhone time. Some things can wait. Praise God. There are certain things you don't need for this season. And it's fine. Is it the season of building your business so that when you are 50 you can relax and do whatever is in your heart at that time? Then put in the work today. Praise God. It's like when we're building this church, we decided for a year plus there was no program. We're just building the church, building the church, building the church. Today we can do as much program as we, we want to do. It was not our season of programs. What season are you? Some of you need to be in seasons of isolation and hibernation so that you can be convinced of your vision. So when you come out, you're convinced of what the Lord has called you to do. They understand their seasons. 
and what to do. That's very important. There were times Jesus preached, say, hey, we need to preach to the other cities because for that purpose, okay, you know, Jesus had a three and a half year time frame. Everything he was doing had to fit into that three and a half year because prophecy had gone before him that he was going to die. So he, everything was with that season. Understanding when it was time for him to die, his message changed. His conversation changed. He began to talk about his death. Got to get his name ready for that. There are certain times your conversation with your friends need to change. They need to change from painting the, ra- the town red to saving it. Say, hey, let's paint the town red. Say, no, I've covered my bucket. Let's paint the town red. There are times you don't paint. <laughs> you save the paint. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are seasons. Everybody that time I say, hey, you are not spending the money. Hey, you're not. But no, that season requires there are seasons that your greatest investment is not in Forex or cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or uh, a Greek platform. There are certain times where the greatest investment is your mind. You take the money you have and feed your mind and feed your mind and feed your mind so that in the days to come, your mind can feed your stomach. Certain times you buy books. Hmm? Buy books, invest in books, invest in materials. Hmm. Invest in books and invest in materials. There are seasons in my life where acquisition of materials was at the highest. I still buy books. But it was at the highest. I've always had a functional, updated, living library. My library has always been up to date. Up to date. The library I have today, I built it when I came, came to this town. Because I gave all my books to my, my youth in Worry. So when I was coming, I came with just very few books. I built that library. The library I have today built it while I was here. Diligently building it. I remember I went to Abuja to preach last year. It was last year? Yeah, I think last year I went to Abuja to preach. And there's a bookshop I buy old theological books from in, in Abuja. I bought almost two, three cartons of books. The books were so much that the flight I was bringing in, I was coming in with, the books would be, the kilograms would be much, much more overweight. So I had to fly and then send the books by road. Over two cartons to come. Investing in the mind. Investing in the mind. Then there are other times where you might need to invest in your appearance. Hmm? You have a good mind, but you dress like you don't want to leave the gutter. Very, when they compare the English coming out and the shoe, Something is not matching. The English is sound. The shoe is bent. So, you know, if you don't match it well, they now think you are mental. Yes, this guy. This guy has read. No. So, at certain times, you have to now leave that, I don't like to dress well, to now do what? Invest. So that your clothing will match with what is coming out of your mind. At the same time, there are certain times you should stop investing in clothes so that the English and content coming out of your when they look at the clothes you wear and they look at the English, say, no, 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 no. what is happening here? Very well dressed, but you can still hear, I does not come. (laughs) Very well dressed, Gucci bag, nice shirt, figure eight. Lipstick up to date, eyebrows sparkling, fingernails sharp, English brutal. So what you do now is that you pause the season of clothes and do what? And move into a season of what? Mind investment. Because an overinvestment in an area that is not corresponding will jeopardize the other area. Are you following this now? So you got to balance this now. Gotta balance it. There's a time where your appearance has to match where you're going. Even though you didn't grow up, you have to learn it. Joseph 
When they sent for him, what did he do? The Bible says he shaved and changed his garments. He didn't come like a prisoner and say, take me the way I am. They will take your wisdom and send you back to prison. So if you want people to take your wisdom and retain you, dress like you are already prepared for the palace. Hmm? You are employed by someone or you are employed in an organization that is thinking globally. You still dress like a street boy. You know there are places your boss wants to go to. He knows that you have the capacity, but taking you there is an embarrassment. Hmm? Ah, I don't like to wear suits. I don't like to wear suits. It's not what you like. It's what is good. Is it good? Then go for it. Dress properly. Don't dress like a cowboy in a corporate organization. So I'm just a free man. Don't worry. When the day of appointment is coming, they will leave you in your free states. Say, who can we make a manager in this company? Say, he's very talented, but he dresses badly. Work in a corporate organization. 45% of your cleavages are outside. Hmm? If anybody wants to see free breasts, they come across your desk. Say, do you have pencil there? Say, no, don't have pencil. Okay. Everybody wants to see free. You also want to see, say, check as you, you have pencil. You have pencil? Say, no, pencil. Say, no, you have pencil? Say, no, okay. Huh? And then they are looking for who to represent the company. It doesn't matter the anointing oil, it doesn't matter the coconut oil. If you like add shea butter to it during your time of prayer, you will not be selected because although you have the mind, you don't have the appearance. So you must learn to dress well. You can't keep dressing like somebody who is not intelligent, very bright. Fly t-shirts all the time. Hmm? No corporate sense to your parents. No, no, when you stand, people cannot see that there is a future with this person. Very intelligent, but tattered approach to life. What should you do in this season? Hmm? Everybody must not keep beers. Be dead gang, be dead gang, be dead gang. Everywhere scattered. Be dead gang, be, be dead gang. They are helping you to pick things from your beers. So there's something there. Oh, oh, another one. There's something there, another one. Something there. Your, your, your beers is now like a forest where they pick animals from. You want to do be dead gang. If beers does not fit you, shave it off. It's not by their beers that they make success. You can't just pick up everything. The shape of your head is this way. You, you, the beard now make it look like you were drawn. It's not, every, it's not everything in vogue that works for you. The shape of your head might be completely different. By, from the foundation of the world, it has been predetermined that you shall not keep beards. You stay with that plan and purpose so you can enter your destiny. Stop looking like who is not going somewhere. If you have a bright future... Then sit up for it and have that approach. Are you holding what I'm saying? Have that approach in everything you do. Knowing what to do in the season. Number five. Number five. We'll stop here Wednesday. We're going to continue. Futuristic thinking. Planning for the future. Planning for the future. <laughs> I was, I think many years ago, I was listening to Bishop David Oedeboy. He said something. He said, um, he used to tell his personal assistant, learn to dress well. You know, with, with winner's culture and bishop, he's always wearing suits. Learn to dress well. He said, the man will not take it serious. He one day they, he drove, they went to a, a meeting. So, I think he forgot something in the car or something. So, Bishop came out and then they led Bishop to wear something. Because of the way he was dressed, when he came, he kept him far. Since that day, he learned to dress well. You don't need to have money to dress well. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is light. Iron your clothes. Iron them. Hmm? You know, for some, some now, we have to even go lower to say, 
there is no quarrel with you and Roland. You, you don't have a problem. Hmm? When you enter a place, the atmosphere is impacted by your appearance. And you wonder why they are not selecting you to join the team. Everybody says he's very bright. Say, but if you come here now, you know, say, we know very <laughs> <laughs> And then they all say, okay, don't worry. Say, Do you have any suggestions? Say, write it. Say, write it. You are dead. Every time the people are stressed, they are calling you. And hey, what do we do here? Haven't you bothered? Why they don't they take you straight? They can't. They can't. See, there are some things that prayer will not do for you. Prayer will not make you smell nice. You have to bathe. And shave your armpits. And don't wear boxers for one week. Hmm? That recharge card you're always sending to Cynthia. Reduce it and buy roll-on. Then pray. And you'll see results. This is your year of total restoration. <laughs> Number five. Futuristic thinking. Somebody said, oh, well, pastor, these things, are they very important? Why did they write it in the Bible that Joseph shaved his beard? There's nothing in the Bible that is not important. There's something God wants us to learn from that. We are observing. We are learning by observation. Do you think it's true? Yeah, we're learning by observation. That means that there is an appearance required for the future. There's a corporate appearance. If you want to get into a corporate space, there's a corporate appearance. Are you following this now? If you want to get into a legal space, there's a legal appearance. So you can't, and, and it boils down to what we're saying, number, number five, futuristic thinking and planning. He said they prepare, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. She's preparing her food today because of what's going to happen. Number five, futuristic thinking. Futuristic thinking. Futuristic thinking. Think with the future in mind. And this is the undoing of a lot of people. They think about today. Right? Think. How many of you remember the year 2000? Y2K-Bog. How many of you remember? Hey, come on, come on. You don't remember all the Y2K, 1999, 2000. We don't know what's going to happen. Computer will crash. Ah, you know, all those stuff. It looks like it was yesterday. It's 22 years. Imagine if you were there and they said, think 20 years ahead. What are you going to feel like? Ah, 20 years is far. Think futuristic. Think five years. Think 10 years. Your action today, how will it impact your 10 years time? It's not far. Few, few days ago, we stood here. We're talking about 2022. It's, it's going to be that great year. It's 10 days already. That's just how life works. Your decision today will impact the children you have not given birth to. Scripture says, Jacob paid tithes in the loins of Abraham. Your decision today is affecting your family. Your decision today is affecting your children. Oh, but I'm not married. Yes, it's affecting them. Because what you do and who you become today will impact on what? The children you raise. So think futuristic. Ten years from now, who do you want to become? Don't be short-sighted. Don't make decisions based on today. And that's what I tell my single brothers and sisters all the time. Don't marry someone just for today. Marry them for the future. Not just today. Not just because you're having butterflies in your stomach. Marry them for the future. Marry them for the long term. Ask yourself, can I spend the rest of my life with this person and the rest of your life, brother, is a long time. You know, I, joke, I, I jokingly say this all the time. <laughs> that when you're young, 
Hmm? You're looking for shape, size. So when you ask a young person, oh, I don't like white ladies. I like black ladies. I like slim ladies. I like tall ladies. They give you all those persecutions as if they are the ones that created them. the human race. Hmm? When you ask an old man in marriage, say, why do you like this, your wife? Nobody will ever mention her shape. Say, she gives me peace of mind. So if you are wise, start with peace of mind. Eh? Then shape will follow. Those start with shape and they get peace of mind. Because <laughs> at the end, you now begin to read the book of Proverbs that it is better to dwell at the rooftop. Have you read that? Have read that passage? That the way, you know, when you interpret this scripture, it looks like it's difficult. What God is actually saying is that if this was your house, you would rather climb up in the roof and stay there than with a nagging woman. So men nag, so let's just use huh? Some people be in the house, they will talk and talk and talk and talk. You know, some people, their case, they didn't study law, but their case will never finish. Even if you do something 10 years earlier, they will say, this thing you did, 1972, March 1st. March 1st was a Thursday. It was a Thursday. That Thursday was when Mama came from the village. The, by the time they remind you all the incidents, that was four years ago. You'll be amazed at the memory your wife has. Or the memory your husband has. Hmm? <laughs> Think the future. What you're doing today, what harvest will it yield 10 years from now? Don't think of today. Don't even think of the end of this year. 20 years from now, where would you be? 15 years from now, where would you be? 30 years from now, where would you be? What will your decisions make you in the next 10 years? If people knew to think in the future, they would make certain decisions. And they will make them right. So think the future. I know you set your goals for this year. But 10 years from now, what's going to happen? Have you been blessed this morning? I didn't hear you. Have you been blessed this morning? Alright, on Wednesday we're going to continue from number 6. Let's, let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for everyone who's listening to me and hearing the sound of my voice. I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that the light of your word will shine forth and these words will be engraved in the heart of your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. We're going to receive our offerings. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to worship the Lord with our offerings and our tithes and our seeds, whatever we're giving Him. Our worship, our offerings is part of our worship. Offerings is part of our worship. And we give generously to the Lord, knowing that the Lord. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.